Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Fucking Killing killing Me. me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And thank you guys for listening. Fringe starts tomorrow, y'all. Tomorrow. And we have some lovely friends who have some shows in it. Fringe is an awesome experience. Um, You can see some really great theater, dance, art in the city for a really great price. Yep. Um, Zest Creative, who was on, has their show Love Notes. Interrupted by Robin Bedford is also going to be great. Frog in Hand has a new show at the Fringe. And Adam Martino is doing Tales of a Cocktail. Yeah. Both are both, sorry. All our dance shows. um, And they're all exploring some really interesting themes. I got the chance to see Robin Bedford's work, um, a preview of it, two weeks ago. And it's got some beautiful dancing in it. It's going to be great. Um, So buy your tickets. Hit me up. I'll be going to some Fringe shows. And let's go support these artists because a large percentage of your ticket sales go directly to them. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity for them to... Um, show work at a pretty low risk. Exactly. Yeah. This week we have our friend Patrick on, and he's an actor. And we're really excited for you guys to listen. It's a really great interview. He's very lovely. Here we go. Before going to theater school, did you know you wanted to be an actor? Yeah. Oh, great. We're on. <laughs> uh, before going to theater school, yeah, I think at an early age I did know that I wanted to become an actor. Uh, like I did some, I did a play in grade six and it was in French, but I felt really like alive on stage. Um, it was pretty fulfilling, a lot of fun. Like I just like to perform. Mm -hmm. Um, I consider myself a bit of an introvert, so it was, oh, well, I actually definitely am an introvert, but it allowed me to just express myself on, on stage. Um, and then when I went to high school, I did a couple of, like, uh, drama classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did the plays in my second to last year and also my final year. Um, and I still remember at the end of high school, you had to go see a guidance counselor to talk to them about what's your future plans, right? Because mm-hmm. I was, like, what, 16 at the time? <clears throat> and uh, the guidance counselor said, okay, so what do you want to do? I'm like, well, you know, I'm kind of considered into uh, considering media studies or becoming an actor. And I still remember she told me, well, you know what? Becoming an actor, like, it's very financially unstable. It's very competitive. And uh, you're, vi- you're a visible minority, so it's going to be really hard on you. Oh, and, you know, to her credit, I'm sure she was just trying to be helpful, right? Because mm-hmm. those things are all true. And so being 16, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll go into media <laughs> studies. So I'm originally from Montreal. Mm-hmm. So I went to Dawson College for cinema and communication studies. Did that for two years. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to go to Concordia to do communication studies. Got accepted. Did that for a year, two years. And then at the end of my second year, I had to do some electives. And so I saw that there was an intro to acting class that Concordia was offering. Got into that. Um, And our final presentation was monologues. And you had to perform it in front of the entire uh, Concordia theater department. Everybody was invited. Um, An intro to acting class, and they made you do monologues in front of... The entire program? Yeah, that was your, your final Acting show. Acting 101. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, right? <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> stressful. <laughs> Super fun. And I still remember I was doing a piece from Glass Menagerie. And uh, at the end of it, 
people were applauding, and uh, some guy came up to me. His name was Brian Doubt. Turns out he was an acting teacher slash movement teacher in Concordia's theater program. And he looked at me and he's like, congratulations, like, have you ever really considered about doing this for a living? Mm. I was like, no. And he's like, well, I think you should apply to the program. And so I was like, okay. <clears throat> so I applied. I got into the theater performance program. Um, I was actually in the same year as Annie Murphy, who's on Schitt's oh, Creek. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's a pal. And Antoine Yared, who's a Stratford actor. Um, uh, and I did that for a year. Uh, so that I, was, I was juggling a double major in mm -hmm. communication studies and theater. Um, and the program was lovely and everybody was awesome. But at the end of that year, I realized that it was a bit too broad-based and I needed something more concentrated. Mm -hmm. I was looking for a classical theater school uh, kind of uh, curriculum. Conservatory, Conservatory style, style yeah. program, yeah. Um, and so I, again, I spoke to Brian, and he's like, okay, well, I could coach you to, to go to a national theater school, or I really recommend George Brown Theater School in Toronto. So uh, through his help and through some other people's help, I auditioned, uh, got accepted to both, which was mm. awesome. Um, and uh, in the end, I had to listen to my gut, and I was like, I think Toronto is where I need to be. Uh, mm -hmm. So I made the move for a multitude of reasons. Uh, I think I needed to get out of the city and, you know. Out of Montreal? Out of Montreal yeah. and, like, you know, branch out on my own and find some independence. And, yeah, yeah. Did you find moving or going to school in the same city that you grew up uh, not as challenging or, like, a safety? Um... Was it a safety thing? I wonder. Uh, I don't think so. It was just like what George Brown had to offer at the time. Mm. Uh, a very uh, rigorous training program. Uh, had a great speech instructor mm -hmm. uh, that I was really keen on, on, on meeting and, and learning from. Um, and also just, you know, Toronto has a, a, a bigger uh, English theater community. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think Montreal has one, obviously, but there's less opportunities. Yeah. Um, and so that was a big move for me. Uh, I still remember being in Toronto, and I couldn't find an apartment. <laughs> the apartment you that moved I without an apartment. No, well, the apartment <laughs> that I had found on Craigslist and I had visited, uh, it was a it was a mess. I'm willing to bet that it was like on Parliament and or like near the East End. I, I Parliament. Lived, and my, my first place was in Cabbage Town. <laughs> yes, on Wellesley in Parliament. I feel like everybody when they move to the city is like, oh, I'll just go look at this like apartment in that area, and it's always they walk in and they're like, yeah. nope. Yeah. And they turn. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 a place I had to go to, but the place that I found was in Chinatown East on Gerard and maybe Gerard oh. and Logan, yeah. and it was a sunroom. Oh. Um, it was going for two hundred dollars a month. It was a three two bedroom apartment with a sunroom, and it was eight feet by ten feet, so you could fit like a single bed. That's it. And I was like, I'm gonna rough it. This is what I could afford. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm going to be in theater school. It's going to be fine. Like, I'm, not, I'm just going to spend all my time at school and just go to, go to bed. And the place was a mess. There was, like, oil in the kitchen on the walls, this black gunk. The fridge was full of, like, all this crazy Asian food because one of my roommates who I'd never met was, was, was Chinese. Um, and I was like, I guess I got to do it. And she promised me that it was going to be clean by the time I got there. And I came with my parents and we walked in, and it was a complete disaster. And my dad looked at me, he's like, you are not staying here. <laughs> and so for two weeks, I was kind of homeless, staying with family. And luckily, I found a place in Cabbage Town on, uh, right. 
Yeah, Wellesley in Parliament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which still had cockroaches and mice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you kind of get used to it. I just like make my cereal in the morning and like kill some bugs with my thumb. And, like, okay, I gotta go to school and just bike down. I mean, you do feel a little bad. Like it's really their ecosystem. They've probably been there for like years, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. You are not gonna get get rid of them. Oh my goodness. You were renting their space. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are the landlords, exactly. But it was great for what it was. But I still remember being on the street, kind of homeless. Like I didn't have an apartment, and there's just this feeling of like, what am I doing? You kind of feel like adrift. Yeah. Like, I'm not in the city that I grew up in. Like, I don't... The unknown is always kind of uh, very, very scary for me. Like, I'm... I like to... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but... Being an actor, that's... That's all it is. It's yeah. just unknown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very exciting, but also terrifying at the same time. Right. Um, I mean, I love jumping from contract to contract and meeting new people and working on new projects, but... Um, that financial instability is is terrifying, yeah. Right. So it's always a challenge, right? Yeah. Is like being an actor what your younger self idealized it to be? So when you were like in grade six and you're like, I'm gonna be an actor, mm. and everything that you thought it was gonna be, how is it different and how is it the same? Interesting. Uh, to a certain degree. Uh, well, you know, when I was younger, I was just, I just wanted to be on stage and tell stories, right? And entertain an audience and really, uh, inhabit, um, the character live, live, step into somebody else's shoes and, and kind of tell that story and feel that. Um, and I think I've, I've fulfilled that wish when I've been on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I mainly work in television now. Uh, I'd love to go back to the stage if an if opportunity arose, mm-hmm. um, so I think TV is different because there's a different in a certain way because there's more like technical aspects that you have to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to stage because you know you have to land your mark and you have to project and stuff, and it's just like it's a, it's a different way of reconfiguring yourself. And I mean, I'm still 10 years in my career, but uh, I feel as though I still have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, is it different? You know, it's just like the life challenges of the industry is what's different that you don't really know when you're like a kid you're mm-hmm. just like oh yeah I want to be I never wanted to be famous or like rich I just wanted to work um, but now that I'm working and making a living it's kind of like okay like now the responsibilities of just the general life comes into play like mm-hmm. you know planning a wedding you know planning for retirement you know having bills to pay just the just life gets in the way. Being a human being is exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that balance that everybody's trying to find, right? Right. That with your artistry know. and with your real life. So don't know if it exists yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're always searching. Exactly. Yeah. But I think the challenge is for me is just trying to be... Like, I'm, I'm really grateful uh, and appreciative for all the opportunities that come my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know for a fact that just me in general, I'm kind of like the person who's like, okay, well, I got to achieve these things. And I like the ceiling is like, it, it's, it's never ending. Like I'm right. constantly trying to reach for higher goals. And to a certain degree, I'm never fully satisfied. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet at the same time, I always have to put the brakes on and be like, listen, like you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you've had your struggles and you're, you're, you're in a position where you could just, just sit back and, and enjoy life, enjoy the little things. Yeah. And so um, cultivating 
other interests and finding that balance is, is what I'm really trying to do right now. Right. Yeah. Do you have, do you go through periods of like days where you're feeling awesome and super positive and then do you go through, or like how often does it switch for you? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I think that's normal. Yeah. Uh, uh, and oh yeah, there's days where I'm, 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 I'm completely happy and fully satisfied. I'm just looking around at my the circle of friends and things that I have and my family's still, you know, everybody's alive and healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, I have great relationships with everybody. But then the next day I'm just completely depressed. I'm like, oh, I haven't achieved what I wanted to achieve. Or like, oh, am I supposed to be doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, am, am I a good actor? Yeah. Like sometimes you just feel like a complete fraud. Right. Uh, so... Um, when do you think about that the most? Like for me, it's like when I'm walking down the street, I can like tell, I'll be like, I am doing so well. I'm like listening to my Lizzo album or Beyonce and I'm like, yes, you're doing great. And then like literally the next day it'll be like raining and I'll be walking down the street, just like crying, listening to Nickelback. (laughs) Oh no, not Nickelback. (laughs) Anything but Nickelback. Um, how often does it like periods really just switch between days just between days um usually when i'm at home because it's it's hard i find it really hard to structure my time um being like a freelance contract yeah 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 because you know i wake up i have to take my dog for a walk and my neighbor's dog for a walk and then i have the entire day my fiance goes off to work and i'm like okay what do i have to do and i try to have like this checklist so i recently got diagnosed um with adhd Mm. um um, I had a feeling, uh, cause I was like constantly like bouncing from one idea to the next idea. I can never structure my time. Um, and yet again, I, I could also have really hyper focus on something that I would right. love to do. I could right. like play a video game for 13 hours a day. Right. <laughs> right. Or like focus on a script and just work on it for like six hours. Um, and so I was just finding that I was like, I was like just wasting my day away. And my, my fiance would come back from work and I'd be like, I walked the dogs and I made lunch for myself. <laughs> and? and that's about it. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, just like a waste. Um, and so now I'm just trying to figure out how to, uh, structure my time. I have tons of like checklists to do. Um, uh, sorry. Going back on your question is like, uh, when would I feel depressed the most would be pretty much at home, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that level of solitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, okay, well, I should be working on a script or I should be creating something. And you just don't have that desire to because it's such a, I don't know, it's a, like a long-term project. And I know for a fact that I'm not very good at planning like three years down the road, mm-hmm. a year down the road. It's so hard to... Yeah. Yeah, but you give me a script and you give me a role that I have to add in a certain deadline, like I'm on set in two days from now, then I'll like immerse myself into it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was depressed uh, or facing a huge amount of anxiety, I did reach out to the Artist Health Center mm-hmm. on Dundas and Bathurst. Yeah. Yeah, and they were a really uh, wonderful group of people, the people that I met. Uh, I still remember going into a uh, group therapy session with other artists, not only actors, but mm-hmm. like um, painters, um, sculptors. And it was such a lovely feeling um, 
just to, to, to hear their stories and you just, you realize you're not alone with yeah. your depression. Um, we're all facing the same battles. Um, all just trying to find, I don't know, joy in our lives and that balance that we were talking about earlier. Um, so I did some group therapy sessions with them and did some one-on-one therapy sessions with therapists. I'm thinking about going to see a therapist again. I just, you know, there's kind of like a bit of fear of like, what are they, what are they going to uncover? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <You know. laughs> I know yeah. it's going to be helpful, but I don't know. Also, yeah. I mean, I don't want to face some problems. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess you, you just have to. You just have to. Yeah. I don't know. How do you guys deal? I know as fellow artists. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> How do I deal with my depression? I don't know. I think it's just like sleeping. <laughs> um, no, talking to people obviously is very helpful. <clears throat> but it also just like, it's not something that's just like fixable. Like I really ride it and mine really rides in waves. Yeah. Right? So it's just something that I have to like get through and then it'll be fine I feel like Mm -hmm. it's hard to like pinpoint because it's like small things will trigger it all of a sudden yeah so I think it's I don't know just like outside really helps weather is like very much affected oh my gosh yeah especially like right now for some reason like this month has just been so rainy and like dreary yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um I don't know yeah um I have found that Maybe it's like that uh, that I'm getting older, that I moved to Toronto, but my anxiety has picked up in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I've battled with depression, um, but anxiety has been a thing for me. And acknowledging that I'm feeling anxious and telling people that I'm anxious has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. So that I'm not trying to like hide what I'm dealing with inside mm-hmm. of a conversation. Mm-hmm. So when I like walk in and I know that I'm on edge already and I have to especially like with romantic partners being like, I'm walking into this conversation already feeling a certain way mm-hmm. and like asking for help has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. 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 And just like, I feel crazy and like acknowledging that I feel crazy and then being like, you're not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah. 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 This is like also helpful as a creative. I mean, like that's kind of why this was born. This podcast was about yeah. like me just like waking up and being like, I have nothing to do today. Yeah. I have nowhere to be. Yeah. And I, you know, and like not having anything to do yeah, and like not feeling like there was like an outlet for, I mean, obviously there is the artist health center, but feeling like it was, uh, in like such a public sphere. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't like from my comfort of my bed, talk to someone about how I was feeling or like have someone talk to me about how they feel the same way. Yeah. So that's kind of why this was like created and what it stemmed from was depression mostly (laughs) yeah yes yeah i don't know i also just don't think it like ever goes away it just happens yeah and it's just something that we just have to get used to that level of you know you know the depression in our lives and also the level of rejection that we have to face day in day out Mm -hmm. right i think naturally we're just like really sensitive people because we're so attuned to whether you're a dancer with your body and your space and Mm-hmm. Or an actor with you know somebody else's um, um, another character, I mean, um, and so we're just so we put ourselves on the line day in and day out, and so when you face that level of rejection, it's it's going to sting a lot because right? mm-hmm. you're putting your whole heart into your work, yeah. um, and we just have to remind ourselves that it's not it's not us, 
Right. You know, there's a whole multitude of variables about why you're not going to get the job or, um, and you can't beat yourself up on like, what, what could I have done differently? I should have, I should have prepared more or maybe you should have, but sometimes like you can do your best job and it's just not going to go to you. So. Right. Right. You can't change certain things. Yeah. yeah. If it's out of your control, it's my new thing that I'm trying to tell myself. <laughs> out of my control, if you couldn't have done anything to fix it, then it's like not worth your, your anxiety or yeah. like your emotions of it. Yeah. 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 Which is hard though, because at some point you're just like, well then why? If you keep like, you know, taking a bat to a brick wall and it keeps bouncing back at you, when like, how do you fix it? Or like you keep, you kind of think about like how much longer can I yeah. do this? Yeah. And, like, if I'm not getting jobs, why is that not happening? Of course. And like facing that reality is yeah. like, I think very challenging for of course. people as well. Yeah. I listened to one of your earlier podcasts with, I think, Lindsay Francisco, Francisco yes. Yes. who I believe is a George Brown graduate. I, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm thinking about the same Lindsay Francisco. Um, she did. She was an actress and she did live in Toronto. I just can't remember where she went to school. Yeah. 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 We might have been, well, she might have been a year ahead of me. Okay. Maybe I'm getting it wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and yeah, that facing that challenge of like when to call it quits. Mm-hmm. And, you know I, know, I know people like who are in my year who don't act anymore. And I don't think there's any shame behind that of mm-hmm. just, you know. No, of course not. Of, yeah. God, no. I tell everybody. I, I visit my theater school and I talk to students. Mm-hmm. On occasion, and I tell them, listen, if you find anything else in your life that brings you joy more than acting, do that. Yeah. Because this life is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, for those reasons that that guidance counselor told me about, it is financially stable, mm-hmm. it is super competitive. Mm-hmm. And, you know. We'll be judged on how you look. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. So why, why put yourself through that mm-hmm. when just, just, just do something else? Yeah. And like my fiance, uh, decided that it wasn't for her and I supported her a hundred percent. I'm like, I I said, just just find what brings you happiness. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, I'm going to take a step back because we actually shouldn't talk about her. (laughs) Let's let's remove that because that's not my my (laughs) story to tell. Yeah. 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 I think similar to what, yeah, you say it's, if you think of something else that you want to do, then do that and you can always pursue this on the side. Yeah. 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 I think it's important to also recognize that if you don't have to do it professionally, right. you can still enjoy it as a hobby or as a craft. Yeah. And it can also like migrate into different types of work in the same field. Totally. 100%. If you like love the industry, yep. but you're like, I can't cut it as an actor. There's a lot of other ways that you can still be involved, yeah. which I think is hard also to recognize if you've been like so driven or so concerned about wanting one thing you're like i'm gonna be a dancer i'm gonna be an actor my only place is on the stage and then that's not a reality for most people yeah mm-hmm. yeah so what do you do still be involved somehow right redefining or reshifting how you view yourself mm-hmm. maybe as not just one thing right is helpful yeah right yeah Mm-hmm. I feel as though I'm in that position where I'm like, okay, I don't know how long I actually want to do this for a living. Um, I'm making a, a living out of it. Um, but it's different. It's not, how can I say this? Um, 
Not that it's not bringing me joy in my life, but it's not the same level of joy that I had when I first started out. Right. Mm. But that's just 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 a matter of, of me life. growing up and yeah. you know being older. Uh, so finding that balance, like I'm, I'm taking some culinary classes mm-hmm. and I'm taking some carpentry classes and like, you know, I'm just like trying to figure out where I want to be and how I want to get there. And, but I don't know, I think acting and the arts will always be a part of my life, but I don't know to what degree. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, I kind of had like this like weird, similar to that realization when I was talking to my supervisor and she was talking about the way that she was working now and she works a lot in terms of like technology and movement Mm -hmm. and we were like why why are you working in this specific way and she was like I kind of just got to the point where I was like there's only so many ways that the body can move and Mm -hmm. you can work before it's just repetitive Mm -hmm. and like it kind of just like didn't bring me joy because I was bored of working. There's only so many limitations that your body can do. There's only so many patterns that you can grasp within the body or, you know, ways before. It's not really different. It's all the same shit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So just like finding new ways to like incorporate technology into that kind of like opens up the realm of how you can move and possibilities, possibilities and how you showcase things. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah. So I was, because of that, I am starting to realize like, Oh, like, there's, everyone's kind of like working in the same way, you know? And like, at what point am I just like, I don't want to work in this way anymore. Yeah. I'm done. I'm kind of bored of working in this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it's, I completely understand the idea of like, is this, how much longer is this like a, because it's not new, it's not fresh and it's not, it doesn't feel like it's like creatively juicing my brain. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to figure out. I mean, do you look for new possibilities of ways to work or do you, I don't know. Or do you just, you just stick with it? Yeah. We have, we have a luxury. I mean, like our lives are hard, but like think about, I know people who are working the same job for the past 25 years Yeah, and they hate, they they hate their jobs, right? Exactly. But they're stuck with a good pension and good benefits and you know, they just find other things to make them happy. And maybe we as artists have to just realize, look, like just do your job and, you know, be grateful that you have something that's really artistically fulfilling Mm -hmm. when you can get those opportunities. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a really tough question. (laughs) I also think it's like pretty loaded to find all of your joy from your work. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like super loaded and it can be terrible Yeah. because then you're all of your things are wrapped up in this one thing. So of course you're going to feel shitty when it's going shitty. Yeah. That's a lot of right? pressure to put yourself, uh, yeah. put on one, one job, right? Or right. one. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. I don't think anything can be the, the be all and end all. No. You're setting yourself up for failure probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, looking back at the, the, the number of projects I've done, it's always been like, just like a little moment it, on stage or a little scene with somebody that, has bring me and brought me a huge amount of joy in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain projects where I hated working on, mm-hmm. but the people were great. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that has filled like a need in my life at the time. Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Have you thought about, um, shifting roles like writing, directing, 
producing? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to direct something one day. I mean, when I was in communication studies, I, I did a lot of like experimental films and some mm -hmm. small shorts and stuff. Um, and then when I got into acting, that side of my life kind of just like I just left it behind. Right. Uh, but I would love to collaborate with some other artists. Like I, I know a lot of actors in the industry, and I'm sure that they would be open to the to the idea. But uh, again, I'm, I'm terrible at working like outside of a box. Mm -hmm. Like I'm terrible of like sitting in front of a, an empty page and trying to come up with you know a scene. Right. If you give me a script, then I could break it down, and I'll just like and like just work and work at it to try to like open it up and find all the the possibilities. But the great unknown again for me is something that's a big challenge. Um, um, but I, I do have friends who want to collaborate and write something. But again, they're very similar to me where they're kind of like, well, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's write something. And then we just don't. <laughs> yeah. And looking back, it's going to be really sad that, you know, 10 years down the road that I didn't create something. And those are the kind of regrets that I don't want to live with. Right. Being like, oh, yeah, I should have just invested more time working on a short. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I think that's also the fear of it, that you're going to be confronted with a string of failures before you potentially hit gold. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but you won't hit gold without having those failures because 100%. nobody is a genius. Yeah, that's exactly. Right out of the gate. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So directing, yeah. Writing, I'd love to write something. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's, you know, still stories to be told out there. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> you need a team. You need... You, need, you need a team. Yeah. And I think that's really important as artists is, is finding that, um, uh, that tribe. A lot of people in Los Angeles, they talk about, you really have to find your tribe to live here. And I get it because <laughs> you just need a strong support system, whether yes. it be friends or family, mm -hmm. people that you could rely on through you know in and in and outside of the industry yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. totally vital because it gets you know lonely and depressing and you know you just kind of want to <laughs> run away and hide go back yeah. to bed right yeah i mean i like won't live with dancers ever <laughs> really ever yeah. again <laughs> yeah i don't think i ever did live with dancers but i know just because i just want to go home and not think about it yeah, yeah. i don't want to have to like go home and just like talk about the same shit I talked about all day. Are dancers crazy? I always, <laughs> people always tell me like mostly guys, like guys, like, you know, frat guys. Like, oh yeah, I dated a dancer and she's crazy. She, like, <laughs> I've never dated a dancer. Well, I dated really a guy and he's also crazy. Yeah, so exactly. I, <laughs> I know. Like, stupid, stupid remarks like that people say. Mm, so Most men are crazy. Yeah. The comment that your um, counselor made, counselor? Is that what it was? Guidance counselor. Guidance counselor. Yeah. Made. Um, about you being a visible minority, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you feel like you're navigating that? Or do you feel like that's still super relevant in the world right now? Uh, yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, coming out of theater school, well, I was the only person of color in my graduating year. And because I came to theater school uh, after my bachelor's degree, I knew what I had to face mm -hmm. as an actor of color. Uh, I knew it was going to be really challenging. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was going to be faced with a lot of stereotypical, often racist roles. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that uh, after graduating that I had skill and ability and talent. Uh, and I was going to, you know, push through and navigate all those obstacles. Um, 
luckily I met, I've been really fortunate to meet the right people uh, along my journey, um, whether it be my agent uh, or guest actors or guest directors uh, who have offered me opportunities like that. Um, but to this day, I still, I still get sent out. Well, I still see breakdowns for like, you know, martial artists or uh, nerdy best friend or mm. lately whenever there's like a person of color in like a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. some, for some reason they always have to be gay. Uh, which is, it's interesting cause they always feel like they need to add something unique to this person of color when they could just be a person of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing wrong. Like I'm, 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 I'm working on a project where, uh, uh, I am gay and it's a fantastic character and I'm looking forward to it. Um, but it's interesting to see what is being given to people of color. Like I have a friend, uh, Mina Masood, who's, um, Aladdin mm-hmm. in the Aladdin movies. And he told me being here in Toronto, he was constantly getting like taxi driver and terrorist roles. Is he Canadian? He is Canadian. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's mm-hmm. always going to be those kind of mm-hmm. roles given out to us because mm-hmm. they only see us in mm-hmm. those two dimensional um, uh, characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but. There are, is there more roles being written now that aren't like that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, things are changing, obviously, with successes like Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians and mm-hmm. Searching and right. Burning. And, uh, so it's changing for the better, but it still feels slow. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, our industry is driven by profit. And now that network executives and higher ups are seeing, okay, we could generate a lot of profit. People want to see mm-hmm. uh, stories being told by diverse artists or mm-hmm. different voices. Then they're going to commit. Yeah. Yes. Right? Oh, who would have known? Who would have known that people want to see that and yeah. look like them yeah. on the screen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's not going to change overnight. No. And right. people have to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I... I did an audition uh, in 2012 for Warhorse, uh, and it was a British, um, sorry, let's go back, uh, 2012 mm-hmm. audition for Warhorse, and it was for a character named uh, Lieutenant David Taylor, and he was a Cockney-speaking Brit in 1914 uh, England. Uh, and I was looking at this part, and I was like, there is no way they're going to cast me as this, like a soldier in World War I. Like, I do not look at this part. Mm-hmm. And then I could easily have told myself, like, there's no chance in hell. I'm not... They're just, they're just seeing me because there's some sort of quota for right. diverse artists that they, right. have to, they have to bring in. Right, right, right. So I was shooting myself in the foot. And um, then luckily I told myself, no, you know what? You could, you could do this dialect. You could do this part. You've seen the script. Like, you could, you could mm-hmm. act the hell out of this. And so I just like locked myself away in a room and just worked on the material for like days. And I brought my A game to the part. And luckily I I just told myself, I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm -hmm. Like if they're going to reject me, that's fine, but I'm going to show that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And so I got in there and luckily I did a good audition. I still felt as though that they were just seeing me out of courtesy. Mm -hmm. And then I got a call back and then I got the part. Mm -hmm. And 
Only afterwards did I find out that the person that, that performed in England was African-American. Mm. Uh, so they were open to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I easily could have, like, yeah, shot myself in the foot by just, like, telling myself that I wasn't good enough, that they weren't, they weren't going to see me because of so-and-so-and-so and reasons. And I think a lot of people do that. Um, so all that to say is, like, like I, I, I brought my A game and regardless of whether they were going to cast me or not, at least I could leave that room feeling as though I did everything I could. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what else on that topic? Um, sorry. <laughs> um, when you first had that encounter with your guidance counselor, um, did they, how did you like first take that information? Was it like, because it was in, when you were 16, were you like very yeah. aware already? Of I was like, not, not at all. No. I just listened to her. I was like, okay, I guess she's right. Mm. You know, But were you sense. aware as like a 16 year old? I guess uh, you probably hadn't seen much representation of no. yourself at that yeah. point. Exactly. Screen, yeah. It right. wasn't, it was, it was just, yeah, it was normal just to see a bunch of Caucasian faces in all, all roles, all roles. Right. right. You know, if you look back, like you know, Seinfeld and Friends and, you know, like, you know, you're just being entertained and you're like, okay, this is the world that we live in. Right. And it didn't dawn on me until university that I was kind of like, oh, my voice is not there. Like I'm not being represented. Mm -hmm. And I think to a certain degree, I still feel as though I don't belong on those stages Mm. in television. Like it's still like when I see myself on TV, I'm like, oh, there's, there's something a little jarring. Interesting. Which is so unfortunate. Yeah. Right? Because, um, and yet there's some great television being told there, like Kim's Convenience and, you know, Fresh Off the Boat in the States. Uh, I still remember I was, I was invited to um, uh, a pre-screening of Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, and actually Michelle Yeoh was, was four seats away from me. And for the first 20 minutes of that screening, I was on edge. And I was nervous and I was looking at these Asian actors and I was like, is this, is this good acting? Is this funny? Mm. And like I was gauging the response from the audience and it wasn't a question of their talent because they're unbelievable. And that movie is fantastic, such an amazing movie. but there was, there was so much pressure for this movie to succeed. Right. Right. That you feel like the stakes are higher. The stakes are so high. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't ease my way into the film. Oh. And it was such a weird feeling. Mm. And then like, you know, I, I cried during the film. Like it was, it was lovely to see. It was lovely to see these stories being told. Um, and until, I think until that feeling is never felt again by another person of color, that's when the, the playing field is not level. That's, that's not, that's when like we haven't, we haven't progressed enough. Mm-hmm. So we're still at this Fantastic stage where change is being, where where change is happening, but we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think kids now will grow up. I mean, will grow up and see more representation and probably be able to go into these situations without that mindset that you had, you know? Yeah. But it's still, yeah, I think there's still like a really long way to go in terms of like, um, gender diversity on screen and stuff. Yeah. 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 Right. I can talk about like the time, the first time I saw, um, which one was it? No. Wonder Woman. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And cried the yeah. entire yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. I was like, the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Because it was like the first time you see a female superhero running the show. Yeah. Yeah. And like that movie has some like weird flaws because there's like romance in it and stuff. Yeah. But like Captain Marvel is like the next step above it where she just like kicks ass the whole time. Yeah. And mm. is like such a strong character and has like a goal and completes it and also cried the whole time there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's really amazing how powerful it is to see representation on stage or be able to connect in a character to yeah. a character because yes, I like enjoyed superhero movies and they're fun and they're entertaining, mm-hmm. but I don't connect to those characters because I don't see myself in those roles. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as soon as you can connect a little bit, it's like extremely powerful. Right. hundred percent. Even like Rosa on Brooklyn nine, nine coming out as bisexual. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the like best. a huge step for like, and like dating TV and dating some women that aren't like femme. Like yeah. She dates like butch girls. Yeah. Which is like also good mm-hmm. and like yeah. representation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. But it's sad that like, that's really the only example that you can, that yeah. I'm, or I guess like masters of none has some play in that as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's like such a poignant one. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Only because I've been rewatching it. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Torres is a bisexual. She dates men in the beginning and then she marries a man and then marries a woman, has a baby with a man, like, mm-hmm. like right. all over the spectrum. Yeah, right. But I mean, Shonda Rhimes does good TV. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if I know anything yeah. in this life, it's that Shonda Rhimes <laughs> does good TV. <laughs> she does great drama. The queen of Thursday nights. <laughs> so do you, feel, do you guys feel as though it's the same, same thing? Like we're not there yet? With For gender? gender? Yeah. Yes. I think with everything, yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah. I would say we're not there with gender either because you still watch some yeah. movies and you're like, wow, this female character had no lines and all she did was follow the male character yeah. around and look like in... What's the test again? The... Uh, bet, bet, uh, no. no. Oh, wow. It starts with a B. B. But yeah. it's like, do they have lines where they don't talk about the male yeah. yeah. characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know? Do they have scenes? Do they have a name? Do yeah. they talk about things that isn't just men or yeah. something? You know? Yeah. I still remember seeing Harold and Kumar, uh, the first one, goes to White Castle. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, John Cho kisses uh, uh, a, ca- a ca- Caucasian woman. Mm. And I still remember the audience was like, stood up on its feet and applauded. Because, <laughs> you know, being an uh, Asian Canadian male, like, we are highly desexualized in the media landscape. Totally. Uh, for you know reasons with World War II and Japanese propaganda and all that stuff, but uh, it was lovely to see that. Mm. <laughs> you know? See just like this three-dimensional character go through this journey and then like right. kisses the girl at the end. Yeah. 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 That was, that was mind-blowing. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something simple as that. And it's not a big ask either. Yeah. No. You know? It's just like being asked to have the full range of a human in a character. Right. I also feel like it's nice to see in terms of like body, like seeing like female actors who aren't like petite, right? This big, five one and uh, 95 pounds. Yeah. Like it's nice to see like female actors who like have ass (laughs) or like big shoulders. Cause like, that's how I live my life. It's like seeing, um, yeah. Because, like, every single actress you see in, like, even a romantic comedy or anything, she's, like, a size one, you know, or a size two Mm -hmm. or a size nothing. And 
dyed hair and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's horrible because you're constantly perpetuating this you know this image of what is the you know ideal mm-hmm. of, of the ideal that you should be striving towards too. And yeah. it's it's just with with like today's day and age with social media and like kids right. being exposed to that it's kind of like it's it's a horrible horrible way to live or, yeah. or, or what you're being exposed to yeah yeah i recently listened to lisa kudrow mm-hmm. uh talk about being on friends oh yeah with mark Marin, and she talked about like all the body issues she went to being next to courtney cox and jennifer yeah mm-hmm. being yeah. like those women are beautiful and tiny and small and that was just like wasn't me yeah, yeah. And I just, like, would watch myself on screen and feel like a potato, a giant potato next to them. Yeah. Right. Which is interesting because she was famous before Friends, too, right? Yeah. From, and those other girls weren't, but, yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Representation. It's important. <laughs> Super important. Um, I think it's a good place to ask the question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Ooh, is this is this a question that you guys always ask? Yes. Oh is it killing me? Hmm. Ooh, that's a that's a that's a big question. Um, yes and no. Because. Again, really grateful. I've had some great opportunities. You know, I've had my personal struggles. Like, I've, I've grinded, like, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm in a, a better situation now. Uh, I'm working with some great people on some great projects. Um, but again, I'm like, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And I don't know. Mm. Um, my father uh, was a, 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 like he owned a, a bunch of convenience stores growing up. And so I had that like business mindset, a part, a part of me. So I'm like, oh, maybe I should have been like an accountant or, or you know, been a real estate agent. Uh, but you can't have everything. Um, I think there's always going to be a lot of regret in my life about things I should have done or uh, projects I should have turned away or um, I don't know is it killing me I don't think so Mm. fortunately Um, but there's a lot of I think I'm in a position where I have a lot of uh, power to do things or to promote some sort of change or leave some sort of impact Mm -hmm. and What's killing me is struggling to find out how to achieve those things and not just like living a life where I jump from project and project and like, you know, um, pay my bills and like have a family. Like I want to do more. Um, Ince Choi is my next door neighbor and what he's done with Kim's convenience is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, 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 he's allowing those kids who are growing up to be like, okay, I could be, I could be an actor. I could be an mm-hmm. artist. And I want to give back to that degree. Um, and I'm still navigating on how to do that because right now I just feel as though I'm an actor. I say lines for a living, you know, I'm on TV. I do some voice work, you know, I'm just getting by. Right. 
but how can I inspire other people? And that's why I like, that's why I go to my theater school to talk to, 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 to the next generation of artists. Because I tell them, like, this life is hard. There's, mm-hmm. there's, a, big, there's a big hill to climb. Uh, and my heart goes out to these kids. Last time I went to this, the, the, the school, I was 10 years out from graduating. And I got so emotional. I'm like, oh my goodness, 10 years. 10 years have passed. And sure, I've, I've done some stuff, but like, wow. What else could I have accomplished during that time if I would have given a little bit more of my time and effort right. to you know, a project that could have helped more people? Um, and so now I'm like, okay, well, how do I want the next 10 years of my life to look like? Mm-hmm. And what am I going to do to do that? And what sacrifices am I going to make? And, you know, what am I going to do to, to, I don't know. Those are big questions. It's huge questions. Right. And that's when, that's when you kind of get depressed. That's when you get scared to go to therapy. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right? <laughs> get it. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't think it's killing me to be an artist, but I see how being an artist c- kills a lot of people. Yeah. You know? It's so hard. Yeah. But there's a lot of joy that could come come from it, mm-hmm. right? From the simplest of things, um, and that's what's important. But it's just like finding that balance of how can you be like, okay, well, I'm gonna go to my I'm gonna go to my bartending gig, or I'm gonna go to my 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 my, my serving gig, and then I'm gonna create some art on the side, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna like have my my circle of friends that I could rely on, and will. Are you going to be content with that? Mm-hmm. And if you are, that's fantastic. Right. 100% on board with that. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, then like, what are you going to do to change? And will you have to give up a bit of your art? Or are you going to have to give a, bit, uh, give a little bit of your life away? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, 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 that's up to each and every artist to decide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you ask me, is, like, my, is it killing me to be an artist? Like, in a way, yes. In a way, no. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. Right. And if, and if it's not for an artist, if they're completely satisfied, then I want to know what <laughs> the secret to that. Right. What lie they're telling people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The humble crack. Thank you so much. No problem. It was very lovely. It was lovely. lovely. Thank you. Thanks for having me aboard. I'm yeah. glad that we could finally make it work. Yeah. Yes. I really appreciate it. We're almost done. Season two. Season two. Thank you guys for <laughs> listening so much. Um, what's your Instagram handle? Or what's your what's your plug that you want? You have Twitter. You want to my Twitter and Instagram is quack underscore rock. So that's K W O K underscore R O C K. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. go follow him. Go follow me, and then go follow us, please. (laughs) Uh, Go to our Facebook. Go to our Instagram. Go to our Twitter. Like, subscribe, do all of the things. Um, Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll talk talk later. Bye.